0: Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text is taken from this gospel lesson of Luke chapter 16. Jesus says, the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. That's basically the Old Testament. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached. And everyone is forcing his way into it. I'll explain that praise for you a little bit later. It is easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the least stroke of a pen to drop out of the law. Here ends our text. We confess for good reasons that God speaks to us only through his written word. It is here in the Holy Scriptures, inspired by God, that we find something with a capital T called truth. Truth is what opens our eyes to reality, it shows us the pathway and the doorway to eternal life. You cannot see such a thing, even though you think you do, even though people think they do, they cannot see that pathway and that doorway without the illumination of the Holy Spirit that takes place by believing, trusting, and understanding the Word of God. That is why our theme tonight is Sola Scriptura. Our authority, our source of truth is only the Holy Scriptures. It is interesting that in our text, immediately following it, Jesus tells the story, the parable, of the rich man and Lazarus. Perhaps you recall this story. This poor man, Lazarus, lay at the gate of the rich man, so poor that the only consolation he had in life were the dogs that would come and lick the sores of his body. And there was the rich man who was inside. He was eating sumptuously every day, and both of them died. The rich man went to his torment in hell, and this poor Lazarus was carried there to the bosom of Abraham, another way of speaking, of heaven. And there was a great chasm fixed between them, and the rich man cries out from hell, Father Abraham, send Lazarus down that he might dip his finger in, his, in, a, in cold water and cool this parched tongue of mine. Now there's a great chasm fixed between us, between which no man can go. Well, then if nothing else, send Lazarus back from the dead that he might warn my brothers about this place. And Abraham tells him that even if somebody were to rise from the dead, if they did not believe the scriptures, he said, they have Moses and the prophets. If they don't believe Moses and the prophets, they would not believe even if a person rose from the dead. The scriptures alone are the means and the source of our knowledge of the truth that leads to our salvation. Well, that rich man was wrong, wasn't he? As Abraham told him, that it was not a matter of some miracle, not even somebody who may have risen from the dead. It was only the scriptures themselves that could give to us a knowledge and a certainty of our salvation. What was the great obstacle to this trust, if you will, to this word alone? It's so interesting in our text that Jesus is in the context of this, rebuking the Pharisees who were lovers of money. The word that is used there is the wealth of silver. They loved their silver and all that it represented. This, of course, in contrast to loving God. Who does a whole lot more for us than silver does, this God who was a living master. And that's why Jesus said that no one can serve two masters, either he'll love the one and hate the other or vice versa, that you cannot serve both God and this silver, this love of silver. Why is it that money, if you will, silver is so Powerful, blinds us to the Holy Scriptures, to the Word of God. Well, it blinds us to both the law and the gospel, and it does it in two ways. To begin with, the obsession with this silver blinds us to what is going to happen to us in the future. We're so concerned about what we're going to earn, what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to possess, that we don't lift up our eyes to see that the train bridge, the bridge for the train is washed out at the end. There is no eternal life that just naturally follows. That there is a day that's going to come where there's going to have to be a reckoning before God. And money is like a drug. It's like an antidote. It's like something that actually keeps our minds in the present. And it does not allow us to be able to look there into the future and to see what's happening. Jesus tells a parable to that effect. It's called the parable of the unfaithful steward. This steward who suddenly finds out that he's going to be cast out of his job. And he thinks to himself, what am I going to do? I'm too fu- poor. Pu- I can't beg. And I'm not going to be able to beg my way through life he says I know what I'll do and he sits down with his master's creditors and he discounts all their debts realizing that when he's cast out that these people will be friendly towards him and he will be received by them because of what he did in the present now Jesus is not advocating unfaithful stewardship but what he is advocating and telling us is We need to realize that we're going to be cast out of this world. And so we should use our gifts and the things that we have here today in greater service to those who are going to receive us in the life that is yet to come. The second reason for why it is that money, well, silver, can blind us is that wealth and prosperity seems to give us the False Impression that what Jesus calls those finer points of the law the least stroke the tittle the tip That those finer points of the law are things that we really don't need to pay attention to Now this works in two different ways First of all the finer points if you will of the law are that we here We have God's commands and we think well, you know, you shall not murder And so I say, well, okay, I haven't killed anybody lately. Got that one taken care of. Shouldn't that steal? Well, I can't remember taking anything anybody's property, so therefore I'm probably in good shape. But Jesus in the Beatitudes and elsewhere drives home what he calls the spiritual interpretation of the law. It goes into our heart. If we're so much as even condescending towards persons, we have committed a sin against that fifth commandment. If we have even so much as even a small amount of lust in our heart we have violated God's commandments and it is in God's sight every bit as bad as if we had physically done this terrible act yeah when Jesus spiritually interprets the law he wants us to understand that the law in all its force and its intensity demands a perfection of us And when we are wealthy, we don't see the implications of that, or we can buy our way out of that, and therefore the law becomes just kind of this generalistic thing without those finer points. But the second part of this is that that tip is also a tip of the gospel, that tittle, See, it's a little bit like that wealthy man who had Lazarus laying outside of his door and there Lazarus with his wounds, the dogs coming and licking it, he never even stops for a second to consider that maybe having mercy upon that man would be a fulfillment of the law. Yeah, mercy is the fulfillment of the law. And if we can maybe even think back to that story of the prodigal son, how it is that this son comes back and he's desperate, and he's almost dead, and his father takes him, they have a banquet for him, and the prodigal son is there in the banquet hall, and his brother refuses to come in. This brother of mine has done all these terrible things, and you would do this for him? And what was the point? That he didn't understand the true purpose of God's Word, which ultimately was mercy, and maybe even justice. So, when Jesus says that wealth can actually blind us to these finer points of both law and gospel. It is therefore something which blinds us to the very thing which we need the most in order to be able to follow that pathway that leads to eternal life. We say the word alone is our source of truth. The law, Jesus said, and the prophets, were proclaimed until John. The entire Old Testament is the inspired word of God. It says in Psalm 119, thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Yeah, that word that St. Paul says, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for doctrine and reproof and training in righteousness that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. But then our text goes on to say, interestingly enough, since that time the good news of the kingdom of God is preached. In all its bright fullness, I like, perhaps we might say the difference between the light of the moon and the light of the sun, strangely the both light but one brighter, the other dimmer, That now when Christ appears, the gospel is being preached in its fullness, in its clarity. And now it is possible through Christ to be able to see through to the very heart and mind of God. What is that good news? St. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. Do we believe those words more than our own reason and sense? Do we believe those words like blind people that cannot see with our own human reason? Do we believe those words as the words that come from God? St. Paul writes in Galatians, when the time had fully come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under law to redeem us under law that we might receive the full rights of sonship. Those words that are spoken to us are the words of God. Now then Jesus throws something out that's even more questionable. He says everyone is forcing his way into it, that is the kingdom of God. But strangely, in the greek language that is a passive verb it means everyone is being forcefully drawn into it everybody is being sucked into it it is a force which is greater than we are we are being sucked into the kingdom of god by this preaching of the gospel the word of god the scriptures have the power to grab us but when they do It's violent because it tears at this mastery of silver and alters the way in which we view the world in which we live. When that unfaithful steward realized he was going to be cast out, violently went and gave his creditors their discounts because he had to know what would happen to him when he was cast out. The Word of God violently grabs our consciences at that very tip of the law so that we may we may escape we may not escape at first the fullness of God's command it condemns us it grabs us it takes our hearts and our minds and it makes us put our face in the mud so to speak but then it lifts us up and violently washes away all our sins And that gospel message suddenly reveals to us that it's all by mercy, it's all by grace, it is all God's kindness, it is all what Christ has done for us. This is everything that we receive from Christ. So in conclusion, we want to remember this, that the Holy Scriptures are the sole source of our saving knowledge of God, of divine truth. They open our eyes to see reality of what it truly is and it sets us free from the mastery of silver of that money that would blind us, blinding us both to the fullness of the law but also to the fullness of the gospel which we would call that tip or that tittle of God's mercy. But there will always be violence wherever the word of God gains mastery. We come to realize a futility of our mortal natures and the impending dangers that we face in judgment but with confidence in the mercy of God given to us in our passover lamb we are over able to overcome this violence which passes over us because of the blood of Christ likewise when the law of god comes and we come to the realization that the law demands something of us in body, soul, and mind, then we feel that violence or the impossibility of its exacting demands. We then come to also discover that with violence, that wonderful peace violently comes to us whereby we know that the law has been fulfilled for us by Christ and it no longer charges or holds or imputes our sins against us. And so I conclude with these words of Martin Luther, who was as much of a sola scriptura person as any person outside of the inspired apostles himself. He writes, If God's word is canceled, then there is also no sin anymore, and no one's conscience can be troubled, as St. Paul says to the Romans in the 7th chapter, since there was no law, there was no sin. This is the reason for why people want to deny the inspiration of the Bible, don't they? Where there is no sin, he says, there is no forgiveness or concern or request for forgiveness. Our faith must be based on God's Word alone in all its articles. And no article of faith without God's Word shall be tolerated. Sola, 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 sola. Scriptura. Amen.